It's the Breakcast, Breakcast, the PopBreak.com. Breakcast, Breakcast, listen to the show, because you're in for the PopBreak.com. Breakcast, Breakcast, oh everyone welcome back to the breakcast it is our annual oscar breakcast and i can say it's annual because we had a great podcast last year and here we are one year later and just like we were last year it is freezing cold single digits here at the mothership uh, for popbreak.com in south amboy new jersey and as always in california dan cohen working on his crispy brown tan a nice balmy 80 degree day we are here to talk about the Oscars. It is Dan and I's favorite time of year, and we're just going to cut right into it. Dan, let's... yeah, and I just, I just want to say that it's great to be back here on the annual Oscar podcast. And um, where last year, Bill, I predicted that Eddie Redmayne would be a one-hit wonder. One year later, he is nominated for another Oscar, and he's headlining the new Harry Potter spinoff, Dan Cohen, right again. Yes. Yes, you uh, you were you were you were very much on the anti Eddie Redmayne train, but uh, you know we'll get into that later though. Plenty well, of time to get into all the big predictions. We're going to talk predictions, snubs, but I know there's a topic we pretty much are obligated to start off with, right, Bill? Uh, yes, there are. Yes, there is, and we are going to keep it as brief as possible. We're not going to beat uh, a horse that has been driven into the ground, and rightfully so. Um, it is the the lack of diversity within the Oscars. That is going to be the big narrative this year outside of the actual awards. Um, Dan, I mean, I'm going to just defer to you for the beginning. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, look, I mean, I have a few things to say on this, just as a lot of other people do, and then I'll, and then I'll give the ball back to you. But, I mean, well, okay, here's what I really think. I, I hate social media. That's what I really think. But leaving that aside... <laughs> um, Look, the Oscars, the you know, the hashtag Oscars so white is it's just another example of people like the Oscars and the Academy. Look, it's an institution that everybody knows about. Okay, so they're an easy target for the Twitter heads and Facebook to go after, but it's just another example of people not digging into what the real issue is. And the real issue is is that Look, there is just not a lot of African-American actors getting Oscar-type roles. And that is a legit issue. And that should be talked about. Like, totally legit. But I don't think it's it's just, like I said, it's just Oscars. It's just an easy target for people to go after 140 characters with their, you know, hashtag Oscars so white and hashtag, you know, racist Oscars and, you know, hashtag I hate everything. Uh, but people don't want to dig into what the real issue is. And I, I don't think it's fair for the Oscars to take all the heat. And look, I mean, this is what – and you know what? For all these people who are claiming boycott and you know just want to rant and rave in 140 characters on Twitter, I would love to ask these people, okay, so go do the research. Go see the movies. Tell me what you think the five actors should be in each acting category okay, and, t- and explain to me why. I would, and in fact, like I would love for someone like Spike Lee to do that. I think that would be fascinating – for him to give an explanation of why certain actors should be nominated and why certain other actors should. But it's not 
like, okay, we look at, you know, Idris Elba, right? That was like a big talking point from Beasts of No Nations, you know, quote, he got snubbed. Okay, Idris Elba didn't get a nomination. It's not because he's black. It's because the Oscars don't care about Netflix. Hence why Beasts of No Nations got zero nominations across the board. I didn't even think Michael, it would be, I didn't even think it would be uh, eligible to be nominated to be honest with you. So I was actually was I was actually a little surprised when people were throwing it up for Oscar talk. Well, I mean it did look he got a SAG nomination and and it did get some other nominations in other award bodies, but okay, let's look at Michael B Jordan right in Creed. I love Creed. I, Michael B Jordan is awesome in Creed. But tell me where he was never projected to get a nomination in that category. And we're uh, talking I, about... I've, I thought I saw some projections in there. There were always... It was always the same five people with maybe Johnny Depp getting in. I, I saw him very, very low down the list. So I just don't think it's fair to say, oh, Michael B. Jordan get it. Like, Michael B. Jordan didn't get it. Racist. Snub. Like, he was not projected to get one of those slots. And um, and then also, like, you look at Straight Outta Compton, right, which people are screaming, snub, snub, snub from the high heavens. Like, why didn't get a Best Picture nomination? First of all... It did get a nomination in the screenplay category, which I know is not a sexy category, but it is one of the major categories. So it did get recognized. And I'm sorry, nobody was talking about Straight Outta Compton getting nominated for Best Picture until it got a PGA nomination. Nobody was talking about it. So again, it's just, look, I, I, I understand why people are frustrated and, you know, but at the same time, I don't think it's fair to just release all our vitriol and hatred towards one body, which is the Oscars. And it's not like it's not like they've never let's not pretend like they've never recognized African-American actors. I mean, did Lupita Nyong'o not win a couple years ago? Um, did Monique not win for Precious a few years ago? Did Octavia Spencer not win for? So when when African-Americans have been giving been given Oscar type roles, they've been recognized. The real problem is that they're not getting the roles that they should be getting, and that's a completely legit topic that should be talked about. But uh, yeah, I that's think, my I, that's my rant, and I'll, I'll I'll leave it to you. I think what we're there is a frustration. I still think last year's snub of David Oyelowo for Selma is still the most egregious of snubs, and and and, and what people could really. Um, hang their hat on for an argument there. I mean, we, as we mentioned last year, the Benedict Cumberbatch performance in Theory of Everything, while a good performance, you're going to get this out of him. Yeah, I would in say another last movie. year, right? That was more legit than uh, what we're talking now, about this year. Now we're looking about this year. Will Smith was a definite candidate, I think. Uh, for That's concussion, true. Yeah. Although. You but know. again, but I don't think just to, but I don't think and I, that's another great example that I forgot to bring up Will Smith. But he didn't get nominated. Not it, he, he didn't get nominated because concussion didn't do very well. It wasn't perceived as a good movie. So he was a victim of the movie itself, not because of the race issue. That's just my opinion. I think uh, what needs to be, you know, it's 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 in it. It's an issue that has to be discussed, but it, it, it's an issue that is sadly has to be discussed because it's just. Why are we still having these arguments? Why are we still having these debates? And whenever I think you know, you pick the best person for the best role uh, when it comes to casting, in my opinion. Um, and also, you know, someone had a good a qu- good quote: "Is like there are very limited uh, types of roles for people getting nominated, uh, people of color being nominated. And it's not just African American; it's uh, people of Latin descent, Asian descent, uh, and that's true." Um, and that's the big, that's what the big issue and is. I think that's, and I think I think, I think we we have to temper the argument of um 
oh, it's the Oscars. You know, the Oscars is as much as it is, it's the entire system. And we have to stop looking at the silly arguments of people, you know, why can't Idris Elba play James Bond? Why can't this, sure. why can't we have female Ghostbusters? Why can't we do yeah. this? Why can't we do that? Okay, and and we go back to my female Ghostbusters part. It's just like, I just don't think we should touch Ghostbusters after those first two movies. That's my argument on that. Sure. A podcast for another day. Um, but then again, you know, you see who's in it, and you're like, oh, maybe this could be funny. It's I think you just need to be like, let's hang up our old traditions. Let's hang up just seeing color. Let's just... You go on the resume, you go on box office bankability, and you make it. You make it happen, and I think that's. And the I, reason why I yeah, and the reason why I started with um, the whole statement is I hate social media is because their their vitriol and hatred and passion is going towards the wrong. Like I think that you said it too. Is it's that going it's a bigger institution? Cause. Yeah, it's going towards the wrong cause. It, it's not going exactly. towards the. It's going for the temporary problem, not the root of the problem. Exactly, and, and I think that's that's what we all need to realize is that guess what? We all love movies. I don't. I think ninety some odd percent of us don't care the color of or gender of our leading people or the people in our movies. We just go to the movies every day to be entertained, and that's the long and short of it. And I think you put putting the best people in play. It doesn't matter who they are, or what they look like. Um, well, obviously, they have to be attractive because we're a vain society. Uh, but we just put the right people in there, and you're going to have a good movie no matter what. So I think we should just move on from this because we could literally spend two hours just talking about. Yeah, it's and it is and it is an important issue, and and you know, I, it's definitely you know we definitely need to discuss it here at the top because it is going to be talked about a lot. And, and like I said, it, and it's it just, will definitely be talked about a lot by our host, yep. Chris, Chris Rock. I'll be, I'll just come out and say it. First off, I've never been a Chris Rock guy. When they said he was going to do it this year, I was just ugh. And now, well, I was confused. I thought I walked into a time machine and I didn't realize that this was 1998. So I, that's ooh. that's interesting. Oh, I guess know, whatever. I, I guess heaven can wait. Oh, uh, yeah. His movie career is just. It's like it's <laughs> Chris Rock's movie career is one for the ages of just crashing and burning. Yeah, I mean, it's he's. I've never been a huge fan of him. He is funny. Uh, I think I'm. I'm. I'm cringing a little bit at the fact that he did say he rewrote the entire show after the nominations came out. Uh, it's going to be awkward, people. It's going to be awkward. I think. Well, I think that I think you know the first um, and look rightfully show rightfully so he'll dress in the monologue as he should. Um, and I hope and I hope that he talks about what we talked about, which is I hope he doesn't go after the Academy, which I don't think he will because he's the host of the Academy Awards. But I hope he goes after you know the bigger issue, um, which is the root of the problem. So and I think he'll do that. Like it will be like an awkward kind of you know, passionate, I guess, like eight, 10 minutes in the law monologue, something like that. And then hopefully I hope that the show can just settle into, you know, an Oscars show. Uh, but as far as, but that stuff aside, like as far as Chris Rock is the host, I don't, yeah, I, I don't understand. I actually would have been, I would have been fine with Neil Patrick Harris again. I think yeah, I a lot of people hated. And well, I mean, look, yeah, I didn't Oscar, get that no, last but, year. 
I mean, everybody hates the Oscar host every year, so let's not. I mean, yeah, but I mean, I I watched it and I was like, I don't get why every like the just the passionate, just like I hate, I hated I, him, and I'm just like, what? Really? I didn't think he did a great job, but at the same time, like I didn't hate him. I thought, okay, I thought his opening number was really good. Yes, but then after that, it all went like that gag where he was like, oh, I made my predictions and I locked him in a box, and then I'm gonna read him at the end. Like that was terrible, uh, yeah. and. A lot of his jokes just didn't hit. Um, hey, but, and that's know, why his uh, that's why his uh, his la- his uh, show on NBC didn't really last. So uh, I, you know, I forgot that I forgot he had his show on NBC. That's right. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna let's let's get past all the negative and what's we had to address everything. Let's, we wish Chris Rock well though. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's a funny dude. It's just like I've, he's never been my cup of tea as a host. Um, but then again, have we had a host at, of any award show recently that has been amazing outside of a Tina Fey, Amy Poehler? And, you know me. You know me that I just like to brush past the – like I, I just oh, – like, well, honestly, we, my biggest hope is please just be adequate and move the show along. Like I'm like – I'm not asking for the moon here. So. No. So – but we will start – we mentioned a little bit already snubs and and Passovers. Uh, what were not, – not, not the high ho- holidays for you. I'm sorry. But snubs. Uh, sorry. You know, sometimes we got to just make some matzo jokes in there. Uh, what were the big snubs in your opinion this year? Last so, year, last, I don't think a, it was as egregious as last year. Because last year, I think we had not Le- at all. Not we had all. Lego think, Movie, uh, where we both were like rattling sabers for re- Lego Movie, and then David Oyelowo. And this year, I'm like, I, I don't see as many glaring o- OMG, the, the sky is falling type snubs. Yeah, I agree. I this was, uh, and this is another rant that I go on every year too. Is people just whenever the Oscars come out, like I think even before people even look at the list, they're just starting to write out their snubs. And it's just this is what people love to do. Is they love to go down the laundry list of basically every actor who gave a good performance in the calendar year and be like, well, he didn't get it. He didn't get it. He didn't get it. Okay, well, you only have five choices. Who do you cut out? And I agree. And I think snub. I I don't take the word lightly. And to me, there were two legit like OMG snubs. Where and I consider a snub someone or a movie that was projected to be a lock for a nomination doesn't get it. Um, for example, like Foxcatcher being snubbed in Best Movie yes. last year, Jet Snub. I would was say that, la- that was that last two- year or was that two years ago? No, that was last year. It was last wow. year, the 2014 movies. And I would say this year there are two legitimate snubs. Best Adapted Screenplay, Aaron Sorkin for Steve Jobs. I mean, he was projected to maybe win that award, and he didn't get a nomination. So, And then the other one, this one really shocked me, was Ridley Scott, um, Best Director for The Martian. Not only did he get snubbed, in my opinion, I thought he was someone who maybe could win that award just because of it could be an excuse to give him a career achievement. Because Ridley Scott, no Oscars on the guy's mantle. No Oscars. Well, I mean, he hasn't exactly, I mean, his career, I mean, he's had some, I mean, Alien is still one of the best horror movies, but I mean. Right, we, right. I know, I mean, the last 10 years he's done, you know, bad. you know, Poops, Poopsville, but, but when you go back, I mean, 2000, you know, 2000 with Gladiator and then everything before that, I mean, the guy had one hell of a career and he was, and he never got that Oscar. Well, that typing you're hearing probably on the podcast is me looking up Ridley Scott Oscar nominations. He didn't, and he didn't, Gladiator won Best Picture, but he didn't get director. It was Steven Soderbergh that year for Traffic. 
So he even won his movie one best picture, and he wasn't a producer on Gladiator. So he, really, Scott has zero Oscars. He was nominated for the first time in 1992 for Thelma and Louise, and then it took right. almost ten years for Gladiator. Nominated the next year for Black Hawk Down, and then f- uh, fifteen years later, oh, we're talking about when the Oscars were happening from 2002 to 2014. Well, sorry, 14 years later uh, for The Martian. I, yeah, and Blade, and when you look at like Blade Runner, like clearly now it's considered probably one of the greatest movies ever made. But at the time, I still like uh, that. But, you know. I mean, that's an argument for a whole another day. But Blade Runner, but at the time, Blade Runner was completely forgotten about, and nobody really cared, and it was even getting some negative reviews. I mean, Roger Ebert famously went back on that one. Uh, so he that it just wasn't a movie that was appreciated in its time so i mean poor ridley i've certainly not had some nice things to say about ridley scott the last few years the guy gave us the counselor so i don't want to hear it yes but, but you know, he did give us uh, one of my favorite underrated ridley scott movies of all time is kingdom of heaven which was uh, a great movie about the crusades but it just came, it came out everyone's like okay orlando bloom just did lord of the rings it's another big siege movie it's going to be it's going to be big summer box office and guess what the crusades don't play into movies um in, in terms of box office that was a really good movie too that, well the martian in general was a movie i thought could maybe even take the top prize i mean it's still got nominations across the board but uh, with, no Rid- with no ridley nomination now i think it's out of the race okay um, who else are we looking at for snubs for this year? Any, anyone for you? Those were my two big ones. I mean, certainly, like, I could talk about, like, you know, Michael Shannon, Benicio Del Toro for best supporting acting categories. Like, those are guys, like, I would have put in. But I'm not going to consider those snubs because best supporting actor in particular was redonkulous this year. J- ridiculous. So what I can't... about Quentin Tarantino for best director or <laughs> screenplay for The Hateful Eight? Right, right. And I, if Tarantino you is not, always a lock for, you know, a, a writing Oscar. Something. You know, or, or like a writing. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I think a hateful writing, eight will yeah, actually. Exactly. He's won gonna, writing twice, so. I'm, I'm going to say that he's going to, like, that movie will win for best score this year for Ennio Marconi's work. Yes. I think yes, that's a will. lock. And by the way, that's our prediction for best score. Uh, as much as I'd love to see Star Wars win, I think it's going to be Ennio Marconi. Um, it will be, but let yeah. me just say this about the hateful eight. And, um, this is an opportunity for me to plug my, uh, best and worst in 2015 in film. Very um, good. Very good piece. where I break down all the major categories and I love the hateful eight. I thought it was excellent. A lot of people um, I know didn't like it. It, it, it was weird. Like it was, um, it, there was like a two day period where it had ridiculously high reviews and I thought it was going to make a major dent in all major nominations in Maybe even at like there was a couple months ago where I thought maybe this movie could even win in kind of a really odd field this year. But I mean, I'm not glori- I mean, Glorious Bast- Glorious Bastards. I mean, that got up there. I mean, he's 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 been to the dance before. It so just it just didn't connect with people. I think that's the thing. I mean, I I had Quentin Tarantino as one of my top five directors this year in my categories. Um, and by the way, I had Samuel L. Jackson. In the best, I I thought his performance in that movie. If that you guys haven't seen one. it, yeah, I haven't seen it. You know me, I'm a Samuel dad, so. L. Jackson was excellent, and we, he's a guy. I'm sorry, we we just we take for granted. And I, yes, we really doing- do. We really do. I mean, he is as much as you want to say he's Samuel L. Jackson's everything. Uh, uh, I mean, you're looking at like uh, like like. Well, I'm sorry, I turned to my child there for a second. Uh, look at uh, one of the more 
widely regarded Marvel movies of the last five years, Winter Soldier. He was a huge part of that, a huge acting part of that. Um, everything he's done, he brings he brings the A-game. He makes the movie that much more special, even Snakes on a Plane. Only he could have done that. You know what I mean? And you look at, he had a ridiculous role in Kingsman with a lisp, and he was weird, but he still pulls it off. And I think he, that was a big snub this year, was him. But with The Hateful Eight, with The Hateful Eight, though, and this is like, like I, he was just, I think, regarded as, yeah, you know, he's great. You know, he's given another Samuel L. Jackson performance. No, I, in my opinion, his performance in The Hateful Eight was legit. And it didn't even get it didn't even get talked about for a nomination. Um, so I can't say like I see what you're saying with the hateful eight being snubbed in a few categories because Quentin is always there at the dance. But it just the movie itself just didn't connect in the end. Um, and it just kind of got lost in the shuffle. Now, even that, though it did get it, it did get Jennifer Jason Lee a nomination, which thank God because she's really good in that movie. Uh, a movie that we briefly touched upon in the opening part of the uh, the podcast, uh, Creed, a movie that. Uh, yeah. I, I'm very surprised it didn't make the top 10 surprised nothing for Ryan Coogler who I'm honestly will I think this will we will be seeing his name multiple times in the future for best director yep. nominations uh, especially after Fruitvale Station didn't get anything and I think a lot of people were like that was a little movie that could now he's on a big platform taking an iconic franchise and making it its own thing to me it, I think it, it definitely could have snuck in there Creed's a great movie. You know, I love Creed. And um, I was even I but it just I, I was just kind of seeing the writing on the wall. It was getting no Guild nominations, not even, by the way, for Sylvester Stallone. And that's another one. You know, we had these conversations where I was scared. I was really scared. You were frightened a little best. bit. Yeah, I, I was waking up in cold sweats that Sylvester Stallone wouldn't get nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Now that he's in the race, he could take it. And we'll, we'll talk about that oh, later we in will. the podcast. Oh, we will. He definitely will. But yeah, as far as the other nominations are concerned, again, it's like I would have put it in as one of the Best Picture nominees. Uh, I maybe would have had Coogler in as Best Director, but... You know, it's just one of these things I can't say it's a snub because it was being ignored by every awards body leading up to this. Um, and I think, yeah, I think Stallone is the one lone nomination in that category. It's one of those things where it created such a popular movie and everybody knows about it more than, you know, Brooklyn or, uh, you know, I mean, even probably like the big short. It's just it was a more well-known movie, which I think is why in the eyes of a lot of people it got snubbed. But Creed is a great movie. If you haven't seen it, please do. Uh, uh, all right. Well, that's it's on my list. I finally am starting to – as Dan and I have talked about off-podcast, off I'm, I'm finally catching up with my movies. I finally watched Jurassic World last night. Um, fun movie. Bad movie, but fun. Um, Pterodactyls. <laughs> Pterodactyls. Um, oh! Yeah. Um, I'm going to be that guy right now. Dan, and we had this argument last year. Where Fine, we, go we, ahead and be that guy. What do you got? We Last year we talked about, guys, don't even think about Guardians of the Galaxy for Best Picture. Uh, stop yeah, it, yeah, stop yeah. it, stop it. Stop it. So I watched Mad Max. Finally. And I really enjoyed it, Dan. It was a really good movie. But after watching it, I said to myself, I get why people like this movie. And I don't a thousand percent believe it's the best picture nominee when I could look at Star Wars and I get a similar feeling from Star Wars. A really well written movie. It's a franchise, just like Mad Max is a franchise. Not as Mad Max nowhere near as popular as Star Wars. Right. But I I, I watched Mad Max and I said, 
you're telling me Star Wars can't get nominated for Best Picture. This did, though. Well, I would say so. All right, that's interesting. A few things to say on this. So, first of all, if this was if this was the Dan Cohen Oscars, both Star Wars and Mad Max would yes, be in my best. It would be nominated. obviously in the six movies now, I saw from last year. It would be too. So, Star Wars. Look, Star Wars. You're right. Both are franchises, but the reason why I think Star Wars, Star Wars gets pushed out is because you know it is the quintessential fran like type yes. of franchise movie that you know that a lot of people in Hollywood and I'm sure a lot of awards bodies think that are like ruining movies like whatever but but the, but but I will say this I think that Star Wars did get some good nominations that we weren't expecting I didn't think it would get a best score nomination and I would say and I know like like we were talking about before best editing I know that's not a sexy category to a no, lot of people No but I think but it's I, a big category, and that's great. And that's great that Star Wars was able to get that. So it did get recognized a little bit more than I thought it would. I think Mad Max, and we had this talk on our last podcast. I but I hadn't think seen it. it but I, I hadn't seen it yet. So that now I that's didn't think I Mad Max would get a nomination. I didn't think it was going to happen. I just held true to my belief that the Oscars hate franchises, and it's never going to happen. And boy, was I wrong because it cleaned up across the board, except in acting, which you know. Frankly, I, 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 yeah. I, I couldn't see an acting nomination there. Charlize Theron, really? You didn't she see was, I, Comparatively to who was she was going up against, she wouldn't have made the cut. Well, I'll talk about more about that in Best Actress who shouldn't be there. But Definitely. I'll just say this. Mad Max, I mean, I can see it's funny because I can see the argument both ways. I can definitely see why it is a Best Picture nominee because I think – I mean, look, you just, you have to awe, whether you just don't even like the film that much, you have to awe the technical aspects, which are just jaw-droppingly amazing. But other than that, I do think there is an emotional punch that was able to get it, the nomination, into other big categories, uh, like directing, like best pictures. So I can kind of see both sides of the fence. I can definitely see why it got in there, but I can definitely see your point of view, whereas you watch it and you're saying to yourself... This isn't, you know, this isn't really typically best picture caliber. But hey, look, I, I don't think it's going to win. We'll talk about that later. But I'm just thrilled to see it in there. And I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see Mad Max and the Reverend battle for all the technical and all the other um, lower type categories like best production, makeup, sound, mixing, sound editing, visual effects. I think it's going to be a battle back and forth between Mad Max and the Reverend for all those minor categories. Now, uh, this morning, uh, I was watching while my, my wife was uh, taking a shower. I watched with my, my daughter. I watched The Grand Budapest Hotel this morning. And I forgot how much I love that movie. Last year, that was the big surprise. It took so many awards to the point where you and I were talking through the, through the, uh, through the show last year. Hey, you might have been surprised. I wasn't. Well... Remember, no, no, no. I was. We were going on like all of a sudden. It was going on this tear of winning so many awards. Now I agreed that it definitely deserved it, but we didn't see it winning all these awards. And all of a sudden, we were coming up to some of the big time awards. Like, um, and we were like, "Does this have a shot for best director and or best I picture?" I didn't think it would have a shot at those, but I got. I got to tell you, I was shocked that they didn't give Wes Anderson best original screen or was it original or yeah, best original screenplay. And it's not – and look, no – I mean, in order to – Birdman's a great movie, so I don't have a problem with him winning. It's deserving, but that would have been the one where you want to give Wes Anderson something for this movie, and how is it not in the screenplay category? That was the one that legitimately shocked me. Yeah, because it won for best 
costume design, makeup and hairstyling, production design production and score. Design, yeah. Right. Did and it win for score? Yeah, it did. Oh, well, that's, okay. what, that's what Wikipedia is telling me. Um, but it garnered nine nominations. And I, I was like, you know, so do you think there's a movie this year that kind of has that same thing that all of a sudden it's going to start steamrolling through a whole bunch of wins that we're going to be start thinking like, oh, maybe this, we, we this always go shot. through the Yeah. And people always get swindled by this is that they see certain movies win a lot of these minor awards and they're thinking, oh, it could happen. And I think honestly, the movie that could do that is Mad Max. I think you could see Mad Max get a lot of those types of awards and maybe have people thinking, you know, could it? No, it probably can't, though. Um, I think that like, like it's kind of goes back to what I said before. I think you're going to see Mad Max and the Reverend battle it out for all those types of sound awards and effects awards and production design, costume design. Um, but I don't think I don't think Mad Max can take best picture. I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility, but it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough act to achieve. I definitely think so. So let's get into it. Let's let's, let's roll up the sleeves, Dan. And let's get into... They're rolled up. I'm uh, ready. Uh, let's get into some predictions. All right. So we've already talked about score. And w- one category we've, we've kind of heavily gone into is uh, screenplay. So we're going to start there. I'm, I have a couple side little sidetracks I want to go into. But we've talked so much about screenplay that I think we have to jump into that first. So the nominees for Best uh, Screenplay Based on Material Previously Produced or Published are The Big Short... Adapted by Charles Randolph and Adam McKay. Brooklyn, adapted by Nick Hornby. Carol, uh, adapted by Phyllis Nagy. The Martian, adapted by Drew Goddard. And Room, adapted by Emma Donahue. So, this is going to be this is an interesting one. I think there's an obvious answer here. I, I, I think that this is a... And by the way, we should just mention, too, that you know, there's uh, more than a lot of other recent years. I mean, this is going to be a great show. This, there are some real nail biters. And not just between, like, two people, but between multiple people. There, there are three Ray races. Um, it's going to be great. So, d- damn it, check out the Oscars this year. But this is a good one to start off with because I don't think it's obvious. I think there are two we can cross off the list. Uh, I think the, Mar- you know, the Martian, you know, yeah. good movie, but it's not going to be recognized for writing. Um, Carol... The, Carol, I, mean, I talked about it at nauseum a few months ago. I really thought Carol could be a movie that could take a lot of awards, and it didn't get snubbed. I mean, it's definitely nominated for some big stuff, but it really just got lost in the shuffle. Uh, and I don't think, and I think because of that, I don't think it's going to win screenplay. I, I seriously, I think this is a legit three-way race between The Big Short, Brooklyn, and Room. I would say Brooklyn. It's it's the type of movie that the Oscars do like to recognize the screenplay. I mean, it's just a straight up character journey. Yeah, I was go ahead. surprised at how like this thing got littered with with awards. And I I remember seeing the trailers. I'm like, oh, here's this cute little indie, you know, historical comedy drama. Uh, and the next thing you know, it's got it's a, a nominated for everything. And you're like, it's a really good movie. It's a, it's, it's one of those, I didn't expect. I mean, I thought, you know, it'd be, you know, be a nice little movie, but it was actually really good. Uh, so it's definitely deserving, but I would say, I, but I definitely think it has a chance to win screenplay. I, I think it's a little too, what's the word I'm looking like generic. I mean, it's pretty, it's a very good, you know, character journey, uh, you know, tight screenplay. I don't think it has, a level of wow factor 
that the other two frontrunners have, which is the Big Short and Room. Now, I believe the Big Short took the Writer Guild Award for Adapted Screenplay. Here's why I'm going with Room. And I'm sure you're going to be surprised by this, but Room, I think Room is going to be the winner here. And Room was a movie, by the way, that when I first saw it, I thought, you know, holy matzo balls. That, that's going to be nominated for every award possible. The Big, but for short, whatever reason, the big short did win this year for Adapted Screenplay. But for whatever reason, Room was – it was starting to lose momentum uh, in the awards bodies. Like I don't think Room got a lot of Guild nominations, if any, except for Brie Larson. But I think where The Big Short is going to lose and both are book adaptations. Big Short's a great movie. I think it's a little too scattered. I, I think that's its issue with the screenplay. Definitely has some great dialogue, some great written scenes. You know, definitely a lot of tension there, but it's a little too wild, I think. Whereas Room, I'm not going to sit here and say that I read the book that it's being adapted from, but you can just tell from watching that movie that it was ridiculously hard to adapt at. And they made a tight, efficient, well thought out, you know, kind of two part movie, whereas the first part is something else. And then the second part is something completely different, which is why I think you're going to see Room take this award. Uh, I see. I thought it was a. I think it's the big short, and here's why: because you're. Those are definitely the two front runners. But yeah, go ahead. I, I get the room argument. I think the big short because you're looking at a movie that had to condense, extra. I'm going to use dense twice. Had to um, let me see. Um, filter very dense material, very dense, complicated financial strategy, and just the ins and outs of business, and they were able to craft a movie for everyone to understand and everyone to grasp the central issue. You don't have to have a finance degree. You don't have to work in a bank to understand this movie. And I think they took something that could have been an unmitigated disaster of a movie that's just like so thick and just like confusing. And they made it a movie that everyone can grasp and they can get a central, they could get the central conflict and everyone can understand it. Anyone could walk into the movie and say, I, I know what's going on there. And then crafting a suspenseful and dramatic story around all this jargon and all this, this you know, all these business a- a transactions. I think it's, it's something to be said about that. Also, the fact is, and co- completely taking off from left field on this one, Adam, right. Adam McKay is the guy who oh did it. God, and he's even... the guy who did Anchorman and all these, like, Will Ferrell movies, he's the one who adapted this. Step Brothers! I can't even... I've mentioned this several times in articles. And look, you know I'm not a big fan of Adam McKay, but I will give credit where credit due. The Big Short is an awesome movie. He did a great job. Deserves to be recognized. I just can't believe that the guy who wrote Step Brothers could be holding an Oscar before Christopher Nolan does. It it does make me a little queasy. But I'll say this. the Big the Catalina Wine Mixer. It's the Catalina Mixer. Bow! the, The Big Short, I'll tell you this. Uh, I, I think you make some great points, but I think I think your biggest argument for the Big Short winning this award is that it's nominated in so many categories, and it's probably going to go home empty-handed, except for this one. This could be the one where they're able to recognize it. Yes, that that, that is true. Although I am seeing it nominated as a front runner and other things. Um, okay, so the at the we're at, at odds on that one, but it should be. A, but it's a great race, though. I think so. It's at the end race. of the day, Dan, you are going with. Carol, no room. Sorry, Jesus, you're going with room, and I am going with the big short. We will now both. let's move into original screenplay. Where and this is 
I'm going to be really quick on this. This is the biggest lock of the night. It is like no question. I, I will, I will drop down dead if Spotlight doesn't win this award. No chance of anything else. The end. Spotlight won. It's easily the best constructed screenplay of the year. It's got great dialogue left and right. It's Spotlight won. Conspiracy theory. Go ahead. Straight out of Compton. No, no, no way. You can't. Here's the thing. If, If Spotlight doesn't win this and Straight Outta Compton did... It would be such an obvious, like, wow, they really, they really needed to make up some ground. Uh, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, the Oscars haven't always been the most uh, graceful when doing stuff. So I mean, don't rule that out at all. I think that's that is a significant front runner for this award, um, because of just what I said. I mean, that's that's who I think is going to win. Well, Spotlight, and you also have to remember Spotlight. Uh, we'll talk about it later. I mean, certainly legit chance at best picture. One of the front runners. We'll talk about that later. But this could be the only award that it could win, mm-hmm. and they need to, and they have to recognize it for, for something. And I, I think this is out of all the eight major categories. I think this is the biggest lock of the night. So let's quickly go into a, a category that you know is known as very near and dear to your heart, and that's best <laughs> a, that's best animated feature. Uh, I think this is pretty much a lock. And I, think- I would say this. I would say there was, there was a time maybe a month or two ago where I would have said just because I know – and look, Inside Out, it's a great movie and I know that there are people who just worship the altar. And I was, all, I was kind of getting ready to say a little while ago just don't be surprised – don't be surprised if Anomalisa, if that's even how you pronounce it. I, don't I would know. say Anomalisa. Yeah, Anomalisa. That's right. Shocks and, and upsets inside out. But now looking at it, it it's not going it, to. It's inside out. It's. I'm not going to say it's a stone cold lock, but it essentially is. Um. Plus, it's got a nomination in screenplay, which kind of tells you how they're thinking. And they even. And look, let's be honest. Okay, the Academy always gives it to Pixar, even when they really, 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 really don't deserve it. And, but of and course, this but one, this year they. This one, it feels like this is the one Pixar deserves to win. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's it's easily like not even a debate. Their best movie since Toy Story three. Um, so yeah, that that's your winner there. Okay, so now we're going to move on to and here's my our other ancillary one because we love to talk about it. As soon as I can find it, best costume design. Yeah, I, I'm I've got notes here. I'm ready to talk about twenty minutes for best costume design. Yes, uh, best achievement in cinematography. Um, oh boy, here we go. The nominees are Carol. Uh, well, I didn't even list the nominees for cinema. Uh, animated but whatever um carol edward lockman the hateful eight robert richardson mad max fury road john seal the revenant the revenant uh emmanuel louis becky and sicario our friend and yours roger deakins so here's oh, another roger year. oh roger <laughs> here's another year where if you could find i'll i'll try and link it in the post last year's podcast dan and i bemoaned the fact that roger deakins just doesn't win, and he has been a cinematographer. Did you guys, look at the guys. List. Just pull up Roger Deakins on IMDb for crying out loud. You're gonna you're gonna look at these movies. You're gonna say, really, he didn't win for that one. He didn't win for that one. I don't know what this guy did to the Academy. I don't know if there's some kind of story we don't know about. But what the hell? He is. If just you ridiculous. just pull, if you just pull up the first four movies, like it says, known for on IMDb, it's The Shawshank Redemption, No Country, <laughs> No Country for Old Men. Skyfall, which is probably the best shot James Bond movie ever. 
and a beautiful mind. Oh, and you're forgetting one other one. That Fargo. Was just, no, no, that's Fargo. Just, that was just the top four on his IMDb. Like, like I mean, just go. We'll just go back. We're, we're going to do this again, people, because we believe in Roger Deakins. That's it. I, 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 I'm, I'm looking up what what beat Shawshank Redemption. I just can't he Barton that. Fink. He did the Hudsucker Proxy. He did the Shawshank Redemption. Dead Man Walking. Fargo. Courage Under Fire. Kundun. The Big Lebowski. The Hurricane. Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? A Beautiful Mind. He did uh, on the Village. I don't know how great that was, but No Country for Old Men. Doubt the Reader. Both of them nominated, and Revolutionary Road in the same year. All of them were nominated for Best Picture. Uh, this is what the Shawshank Redemption Grit. lost to. Are you kidding me? It lost to Legends of the Fall, one of the most mediocre, boring movies of like the last. Tw- oh my god! Yeah, How do you not? It was very pretty though. The Shawshank Redemption has one of the most iconic shots in the history of cinema. What did Roger Deakins do to the Academy Bill? But whatever. I want to talk about this category because <laughs> I, I think they're really they're really in a. You haven't been this worked up since I I, I compared. I just uh, feel bad Batman, for the guy. Batman versus Superman to Spider Man yeah, Three. We're, we're not getting into that. By the way, the last BVS trailer was awesome. That's a topic for another day. Yes. But look, when we talk about best cinematography, there I think the Academy really is in a pickle though. They I think they want to give a Oscar to Roger Deakins desperately, but they just. They haven't been able to get the right opportunity. Like last year, you, that, you can't crappy, give it to them for Unbroken. You yeah, couldn't Angelina Jolie directed And movie. now they're in another tough spot this year. Sicario, you know, very well-regarded movie. It's a great movie. It even had a shot of getting a Best Picture nomination. But the problem is it's going up against The Revenant. And, and Mad Max. I think more so. I think more so. It's challenges the Reverend. But yes, Mad Max is also you know very very good. Of, of course, too. I would say here's the real issue is that I'm sure they want to give it to Roger Deakins, but if you don't give this award to Emmanuel for the Reverend, it's such an obvious. Oh, they had to give it to Roger Deakins, of course, and mm. they're really in a tough spot here. And by the way, also another little fun fact. If Emmanuel Lubezki wins this, this will be his third win in a row. He won it last year for Birdman, and then he won it the year before for Gravity. So I can't – I mean this is, this is what it's really – It's comes, hard to pick against him. It, it, this is what it really comes down to is that is the Deacons factor enough to make up ground for how incredibly well shot The Revenant is? And – I don't think it is. I think once again, I think Roger Deakins is going to be the loser. Um, he didn't even show up last year, by the way. Oh, what? I didn't even. Oh, I didn't even. I don't know. Think well, he I did. Mean, he saw the writing on the wall. He wasn't going to win for Unbroken, even though I think I stupidly predicted that. You did. I'm not going to make. I'm not going to make the same mistake this year. I look. So he's going to win. He Roger Deakins. All joking aside, the guy's going to win an Oscar at some point. They're waiting for the right opportunity. All he needs to do is be the cinematographer for a good movie and not be up against an obvious winner. And I think this year, the Reverend is just too obvious a winner. I'd love to say Mad Max Fury Road, but I, I think I got to go with you on the Revenant. I think Lubezki takes it for a third straight year. Yeah. And then gets up on the stage and says, suck it, Roger. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Imagine if he did. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I would uh, love for someone to be like, Suck it. And you're like, whoa, he went there. Okay, so uh, so we want to move into direction or acting? 
So we are. So we've talked about the screenplay categories. Um, before we get into so before we get into the big ones, is there any other random? You don't want to talk about documentary short subject? I mean, I had mm. I had like two pages of research talking about um, Last Day of Freedom and A Girl in the River, The Price of Forgiveness, but we're skipping that. Do we want to? Do we want to look at <laughs> best song? Oh my god! You know what? Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. This is like. Is this not the worst? I mean, okay, I'll be fair. I haven't no, really heard these songs. We've, but heard, we've heard worse. We've seen worse. I, I'm sorry. It, by the way, I mentioned this in my uh, nomination uh, reactions. The first, the official first movie that got a nomination at this year's Oscar, the first one that got read was from Fifty Shades of Grey. That was Academy, completely Academy on purpose. Award nominated Fifty Shades of Grey. That was completely on purpose, too. Whatever, I'll just say this. I'm sure Spectre's going to win just by default, and that song sucks. Oh, I don't think end. so. Oh, yeah. I don't think so. What's I think win? it's going to be Lady Gaga for the uh, the Wait, she nominate for a song? Yeah. Wait, so let's go over the nominees. It's Fifty Shades of Grey, earned it by The Weeknd. The Hunting and they Ground. earned it. <laughs> yes, they did. Uh, the Hunting Ground, Until It Happened to You by Lady Gaga. Uh, Racing Extin- Extinction, Manta Ray by J. Ralph. Spectre, Writings on the Wall by Sam Smith. And it's not as terrible as Quantum of Solace song. Uh, Youth, uh, Simple Song Number 3 by David Lang. It's Lady Gaga. I think she is on an undeniable role this year, and she's going to take it. But don't you think, okay, but don't you think. um, Highly regarded song. the The Hunting Ground, though, it's just a movie that I'm sure like three people saw. So I think that's the problem. Is that did enough Academy members see this thing to be able to actually give it the win here? Yes. I think that's the. Question. I think well, I think I can see writing on the wall, but I, I think Lady Gaga, she's got the, she's got the new person persona. She's not this crazy meat dress wearing chick anymore. She just did. Right, did she anthem. now? Did Lady Gaga now? Is she? I'm assuming you would know better than me. I assume that she has a Grammy award on her mantle or multiple ones. Right? Yes, she does, and she does she have an Emmy. Uh, she's nominated for American Horror Story. She has a Golden Globe. So um, if she, she wins this, like you're. I mean, I don't know. Does she have any Tony? Like you're talking about a legit EGOT contender. Well, you know who else is a legit EGOT contender? Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet has a Grammy. She has a. Does, sp- she, have, does she have a Tony? It's the one she's missing. She, what, what did she win an Emmy for? Uh, she. Let's see. Her achievements include. Okay. Yes, Lady Gaga has six uh, Grammy awards. Uh, she won an uh, Emmy for, oh gosh, she was be- being on the extras with uh, Ricky Gervais, your boy, and she won for, pulling it up right now, uh, I want to say that movie with, oh Christ, I'm going to totally. Well, so, but, so, so she, but Kate, so you're saying she has a Grammy? She has a Grammy. Okay. Uh. I'm sure people are loving this, this fascinating yes. top. Yes, topic. we. Uh, oh, come on, Kate Winslet. Where's your where's your damn list? Yes, she has a she has a, a spoke. She did like a children's spoken word um, thing that she won an Emmy uh, a Grammy for. And I'm just sitting there. I was like, I was reading that. So she needs. Morning. So she has. So she has to get the Tony. Well, Which will you happen? start reading some like you know some plays then, Kate? Oh, for she, crying out loud. She won. Uh, she won a primetime Emmy award for Mildred Pierce. Oh, she was nominated f- uh, for extras. She did not win. Sorry about that. And she won a Grammy award in two thousand for best spoken word for children album called "Listen to the Storyteller." 
Yeah, well, that's an award I'll definitely win someday's spoken album or whatever it's called. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving on from uh, to best back to best original song, I'll just say that um, I don't think the Hunting Ground has enough juice to uh, to win this. I mean, I see what you're saying though with Lady Gaga. Um, I'm just gonna go with Spectre just by default, and I'll just reiterate once again that it's it's probably it's, it's no it's Skyfall. A, well, I mean that that's the problem. It was coming after Skyfall, and uh, the, the song stinks. It's terrible. The end. Okay, so now we're on to the major categories. Would you like to go? Supporting, then directing. Let's go with let's go with the all the acting categories first. Let's all start right. with best supporting actress. Best supporting actress. Here we go. Oops, Which is a ridiculously tight race. But go okay. ahead and read off those nominees. The nominees are Jennifer Jason Lee for The Hateful Eight, Rooney Mara for Carol, Rachel McAdams for Spotlight. Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl, and the aforementioned Kate Winslet for Steve Jobs. Dan, you go. This is this is this is a gr- this is a great race. This um, is pretty beast. I'll say, yeah, this is. Uh, I'll say that there's two we can we can throw away really quickly. I mean, Jennifer Jason Lee, great performance. You know, yeah. great that she's in there, she's but not going to win. Um, Rachel McAdams again. You know, this is. I said this before, but I was. I've never been that impressed with her work, but I think it's more because. She just wasn't getting the good roles. She finally, she finally got a great script and spotlight and delivered. So, but she, she's not going to win here. This is, uh, this is a legit three three-way race here. I would say there was a while where I thought Rooney Mara. Who, if I was picking this award, I, I would pick Rooney Mara. She's it's a, it's by far the most challenging performance out of all these nominees. She's very reserved, quiet. A lot of got to express a lot in the facial expressions. Um, I would say that with the Oscars, though, you're always looking for more of that flashier role, and I think that's what's going to hurt Rooney Mara. She mm. could definitely win this, but I do have to give her third in this race right now. As do I. Vikander, Vikander has really been coming on strong, a lot of momentum, and the Danish girl, not that well received, but. Except for the two actors, they they were very well received. And um, she, okay, keep going. I'll save this for my argument. Never mind. Well, I would just I'll just say this. I would say that Alicia Vikander. It's a very Oscar-y role, but I think it's it was it's very similar to what Felicity Jones did last year in The Theory of Everything, where it's really good. You really appreciate when she's on screen. She does an amazing job of complementing the main role. But where I'm going to give it to Kate Winslet is this. Because that... she's Kate friggin' Winslet. Okay, but yes, she's Kate friggin' Winslet. But, but she's, not... I'm just saying because she's yeah. generally always awesome. Not only is she – she and to me, I, I, I like Steve Jobs, don't love it. But for me, she's easily, even more so than Fassbender, the best aspect to that movie. Every time she's on screen, you're really excited. She's got – Awesome monologues left and right. She just commands the screen. She's the guy. I mean, I'm not the guy. Sorry. She's the person who has to always rein in crazy Steve Jobs. And she's I think the reason why she's going to get this is because she's the one that matches Steve Jobs craziness. And it's their back and forth that is fascinating and easily the best part of that movie. And also you look at the fact that and this would be Kate Winslet's second Oscar. And she is like you said, she's Kate freaking Winslet. She is the type of person who the Academy would say, like, Kate Winslet, you are deserving of multiple Oscars. She had to wait a while to get her first one, which was a few years ago with The Reader. 
I don't think she has to wait anymore. She's winning this award. My pick is Kate Winslet in a very tight race. Here's a little fun fact I found out, besides the fact she was nominated for a Grammy. It is 20 years ago she was nominated in 1996. She was nominated for Sense and Sensibility. She was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. So 20 years later, she is nominated again, which is, I think, pretty interesting. Um, and that's where the extent of my research went into this entire podcast. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think it's Winslet, too. I'm agreeing with you that as much as J- Jennifer Jason Leigh was the, the bright spot of The Hateful Eight, that's uh, great. Um, and same with Rachel McAdams. I think Alicia Vikander has a very decent shot of winning because she has both Ex Machina, which she got great reviews for, and the Danish girl, but at the end of the day, it's Kate Frigg and Winslet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just she is Meryl Streep. Can yeah. I also just say, um, with Alicia Vikander, like this was, um, this was one of those years where it was really hard. Where I had to even do more research than I normally do in deciphering who is considered lead actors and lead actresses. This was really tough. Like the Big Short, you can make the argument that Christian Bale is the lead actor, not supporting. You can make the argument that Alicia Vikander and the Danish Girl should be in the lead actress category. Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett could have gone either way. Spotlight, you could have put both Ruffalo and Keaton in Best Actor. You could have put both of them in Best Supporting Actor. Tough year to decipher all that, just as a little side note. So yeah, I go with Kate Frega Winslet. She's... We're both going with Winslet here, all right? All right, we're going to move on to... Oh, this, and I will bring up a snub that I totally forgot until just now. Um... Best performance by an actor in a supporting role. The first one is Christian Bale for The Big Short, Tom Hardy for The Revenant, Mark Ruffalo for Spotlight, Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies, Sylvester Stallone for Creed. The snub I forgot to mention, The Kid from Room. Should he have been nominated? Okay, but again, and look, The Kid from Room is great, Jacob Tremley, but again, you can't, you, you, there are no snobs in the best supporting actor category. Well, see, because I've it's, heard a lot of people saying, "Oh, Mark Rylance, that, that really didn't deserve it." I've heard. I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit, but I'll just say this: like, you can't. Jacob Tremblay. A lot of people were pissed at Paul Dano in that Beach Boys movie. Didn't get it. Like this, this was in in. This is easily the most incredible category of the night. And Bill, I. I have to let you go first because I need to collect my thoughts. This category is absolutely insane. Well, so I, I was reading some uh, publications out there, and I actually saw Tom Hardy was like number five out of all of these, which I was surprised to see. Uh, I'm actually my, uh, you know, I want to say Sylvester Stallone really badly. And I, I hearken back to, I think, our last podcast when I talked about, you know, it's very reminiscent of Mickey Rourke and The Wrestler. Mm-hmm. However, it's not because Sylvester Stallone did something that I don't think a lot of people thought he could do. He took a character that he created in the 70s and moved it, however, I'm terrible at math, decades later, was able to revive, to go back to that character and make it special again. And give the performance of his career in a character he's done. What well, technically, if you want to talk in the Rocky trilogy, that's Rocky's. This is the seventh time he's played Rocky Balboa. Right. That's like telling me that um, Sean Connery in the seventh James Bond movie was better than Sean Connery in the first James Bond movie. You know what I mean? But like giving the performance of his lifetime. 
That's why I think you have Stallone on this one. I think you have the nostalgia, but the fact is, it's kind of like with Star Wars. It kind of it's the nostalgia, but it was able to move forward and create something new, and that is really difficult. And I think that's why you give it to him here, because he was able to give a performance for a guy who's pretty much not considered a good actor at all, who's been in very fun movies that I've enjoyed over the years, but he's never been considered a master thespian. Um, aside of Copland, which everyone was like, "Oh, that was good." Um, and I, think, I like Copland. I like Copland. It's a good movie. Um, not many people. People are like, "Wow, that's the most love Copland's gotten in twenty years." Um, is he did something that I don't think a lot of people thought he was going to do when we heard he was going to be Rocky again. It was like, "Ugh, can't this guy play anything but roles he's played already?" And he made a special, and I think that's why he wins. I think you have the close second of I think it's a two three battle of Tom Hardy and Christian Bale just because Christian Bale is Christian friggin' Bale and he's amazing and everything, and Tom Hardy because his performance in Revenant is considered you know a couple just a couple steps behind Leo, and there are there are people who argue he's the better performance. And he's been a great performer in, and he's also, he was a huge part, he carried Mad Max for the most part. Well, okay, that's debatable, but, you know, he was great in that. Uh, and I, I think Ruff, that separates Ruffalo and Rylance, they're kind of in the bottom three. Um, that's how I would rank it, so I'm going Stallone with this one. I, I mean, See, I, I wouldn't be surprised he's going to lose, but, you know, kind of right. like how everyone's like, Mickey Rourke, Mickey Rourke, and then Sean Penn took it for milk, and a very, it was a good performance, but it, I don't know. It was oh, very, Mickey, it was Mickey very, you know, at the time, it was just, very yeah. Sean Penn. Of it was a very Sean Penn. I, you know, just to briefly deter on the 2008 Oscars, at the like, and I like you, um, we're both massive fans of the wrestler. That oh. movie, I think, is one of the best movies of the last 15 years. And at the time, at the time when uh, I knew that it was close between Sean Penn and Mickey Rourke, um. I, I knew Sean Penn was going to get it. And at the time, I wasn't that upset about it because I felt like he was deserving too. But as a few years went by, I kind of looked back on it and I was like, they made, they made a bad call. That, that needed to be Rourke. But that's, that's, a, that's a rant for another day. Um, okay, this, this category. And you know how, Bill, you know how they always do one of the supporting categories uh, as the first award at the Oscars? Like they always started off with actress in a supporting role or actor in a supporting role. That's correct, yes. Yeah, so um, I pray, I pray that they don't lead off the show with best supporting actor. You need to let you need to let this category marinate for a while, and you need the drama because it's a big category. And I would say, and this just speaks to the category. You and I, we're going to be all over the map here because I think all five of these people certainly some have better shots than others. I think all of them have some percentage of a chance to actually take this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say. For me, I think there's a bottom two, though. Um, Christian Bale, look, I mean, guy will win another Oscar at some point in his career. The guy is just, like, not enough good things can be said about Christian Bale. The guy's amazing. Uh, Tom Hardy, I would actually have fourth. I think because, first of all, his nomination was somewhat of a surprise. He wasn't in a ton of projections. Um, and I think, I think the guy was awesome in The Revenant. I don't think you win an Oscar your first time out for that type of performance. Little too understated, a little too gruff, and it is. Uh, and the spotlight really is on Leo in that movie. Uh, and then I would say the top three guys: Ruffalo, Stallone, and Rylance. And the reason why this category pisses me off to some extent, though, is you have such a competitive category with Best Supporting Actor, whereas I think that the guy who is the front runner. 
doesn't deserve to be there, and that's Mark Rylance. And look, I just want to say this. When I walked into Bridge of Spies, I thought it was going to be another typical, mediocre, forgettable Spielberg movie. And it's actually pretty good. Uh, I, will, I will give – it was a lot better than I thought it would be. And this isn't me saying that Mark Lyons is bad in the movie. In fact, I think he's really good and I enjoy him in the movie. But it's not an Oscar-type role. It's very pandering and I said this in my breakdown. It's a very – like he's a very likable character who has the very endearing accent and – I think people get tricked into thinking it's an amazing performance because of that, but it's it's very good. But it's it is you can't even compare it to the other performances that we're looking at in this category, which is why I think it would be a shame if he won. Um, but he's one of the front runners here. As is obviously, look, if Sylvester Stallone won this award, like I, I might even get a little teared up. That would be one of the most amazing moments in the history of the Oscars because people forget. He didn't actually get any Oscars for Rocky. He didn't no. win in screenplay, and he didn't win in Best Actor. And he wasn't a producer for when it won Best Picture. So for him, like 40 years later, to get a statue for playing that role would be one of the most amazing stories I can think of at the Academy this year. And he's he could take this thing. It's going to be close. I'm actually going to go off a little bit on the reservation here. And this is, this is going to be my crazy upset call tonight. I think Mark Ruffalo is going to win this award. Because he's so awesome as the Hulk? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> That's definitely the reason. No, but I think, look, I mean, the guy's a great actor, and this is his third yes. time at the dance. And I think that there's going to be enough Academy members who, who unfortunately are going to kind of Kind of, kind of rub their noses at Stallone and be like, "Oh, really? I, I don't, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can give it to him." And I think because Creed didn't get any nominations in all the other categories, hmm. I think it's going to be enough for people to ignore him in this, in this, in this win. And whereas I think Mark Rylance is your quintessential kind of, oh yeah, we'll definitely give the Oscar to him, even though Bridget Spies got a lot of nominations, including Best Picture. I don't think people are that enamored with it as a movie. When you look at Mark Ruffalo, Spotlight, it's everyone loved it. It's one of the front runners for Best Picture this year, which we'll talk about later. But I think where Ruffalo ekes in this win is that it is one of those performances that is flashy. It's very in your face. It's very passionate. And I think because he's been around a couple times, and I think because the movie is tracking so well in a lot of categories with a lot of momentum. I think he pulls off the upset here, but but make no mistake, this is an amazing category, and I can't wait to see how it unfolds. I definitely am too, man. Oh, Ruffalo's a great actor, man. He's he's always been, he's always, and that's the thing. I mean, I, Mark Rylance, I can't speak for, but all these guys. I mean, Stallone, like I said, hasn't been known for being a great actor, but he's been in really good movies. All these guys are phenomenal actors, so I think it'll it'll be it'll it's a horse race. It's a photo finish on this one, I think. Oh, it, it definitely is, and I can't wait to see. And believe me, I, I and don't don't get me wrong. I think Ruffalo is really deserving, and I think that would I think it would be great to see him win. But I mean, let's come on. My heart is obviously going for Stallone here, oh, sure. which would be amazing. So, okay, Mark Ruffalo for me. All right, I'm still going to stick with Stallone. But uh, best performance by an actress in a leading role. Here we go. We have Kate. Bl- Man, this is like a spoil of riches here. Um, <laughs> Kate Blanchett for Carol. Brie Larson for Room, Jennifer Lawrence for Joy, Charlotte Rampling for 45 Years, and Cersei Ronan for Brooklyn. Yeah, yes, I said it right, I think. 
All right. Um, and that is, those are our nominees. Um, I'll, I'll start it off just to break things okay. up a little bit. Uh, okay. I think we could immediately toss out Jennifer Lawrence for joy. Um, as, as awesome as Jennifer Lawrence is, this will not be her last time at the dance. Uh, I and think I just want to say very quick, just, I'm just going to get this out of the way. Like haters get over yourselves. Jennifer Lawrence is a great actress. I appreciate to continue to see greatness and she, it's a great, it's a, she's great in this role. Get over it. The end. Amen. Uh, she will, she's out. I don't, I don't think she's, she's got the, the juice right. for this one. Uh, Charlotte Rampling, I've seen her predicted as the third horse in this race. Boo. Nah, can't see it. And uh, unfortunately, as much as I like Cersei Ronan, I don't think, I just don't think Brooklyn's, I don't think she's got it. I think this is, this is a, going to be a dog fight between Brie Larson, who, by the way, does anyone remember? She was the star of 21 Jump Street a few years ago. And I do remember. Which I didn't realize, and Kate uh, Blanchett because she's you know another role. She's Kate friggin' Blanchett, you know what I mean? Uh, these two are going to. It's going to be a knockdown drag out to the very end to see who's going to win this one. However, and as much as I love the fact Kate Blanchett was in Hot Fuzz, uh, Brie, Lar- Brie Larson. I'm going to go with Brie Larson. This this reminds me, and it's probably a very dissimilar performance, but it reminds me of Patricia Arquette with uh, Boyhood. Uh, where it has the same type of vibe around it, and I think she gets it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to even go as far as to say is this is a lock. It's, it is Brie Larson all the way. Um, Ronan, I'll just say this. Ronan, slight dark horse, definitely running third in this category. It's she'll, a be, she'll be back. She'll be she'll back. back, and she yeah. really carries that movie really, really well. It does not work without her, um, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, Kate Blanchett is really good in Carol as she always is. It's it's like you said, it's Kate freaking Blanchett. I'll just say this though. So, um, Could we just call this it, the Oscar th- the Oscar freaking podcast? Because it seems like we keep saying that. Well, I mean, you got a lot of big heavy hitters this year. It is true. I'll just say this though. So if Kate now, okay, if Kate Blanchett didn't have two Oscars already, yes, this this race would be a little tighter. But I. There, it's really, it's really hard to get that third one in the acting category. They really make you wait. See Meryl Streep. So, and not only that. Look, Brie, I've I've said it a hundred times in articles I've written for Pop Rick. I said it in my room review. It's just Brie Larson, just one of those performances where she kicks down the door and just and just takes the Oscar. It's an insane performance. She's playing ninety five different types of emotions. The, the entire movie is reliant on her performance. It is Brie Larson all the way, and she absolutely deserves to win this. Hey, that's, uh, we're, we're coasting through them right now, and now we're going to go into ooh, the big one. I'll rub my hands together for this one. Best performance by an actor in a leading role. Pardon me. Brian Cranston for Trumbo. Matt Damon for The Martian. Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, let me say his name again. Leonardo. You, I just totally I tongue tied. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant. Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs and Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl. Son of a bitch. This is a this is heavy hitting right here, man. This is like, oof. I'm gonna say you can toss out Fassbender for Steve Jobs and Matt wow. Damon, and Matt Damon for The Martian. I'm surprised you're throwing out a fast bringer so quick. I I I would yeah. say I would say they're the one person we can definitely throw. And by the way, um, Brian Cranston he's great in Trumbo, but that movie like is I've not I've, seen, he, I've, not seen him, I've seen him I've seen him as the, movie. I've TV seen, movie I've seen him listed as the number two guy. 
What? That's I Variety. I was reading Variety this morning, and he they have him pegged as number two. I'm gonna just. I have my little uh, trusty Entertainment Weekly here, and uh, I'm just gonna uh, take a look to see what the Entertainment Weekly says. Um, so Variety has him too. You said, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they. Um... Let's see. Let's take a look here. Now, Entertainment Weekly. I'm looking at the uh, best actress. They have him fourth. Um, I, I I just don't. The movie didn't get any traction. The movie's not very good. Now, now I, Cranston legit delivers, but I think we can throw him out. He's not going to win. Okay, but you're saying, in he, my opinion. So okay, so this really comes down to I think it comes down to Leo going for the first or Redmayne going for the second. Now I remember when the Danish girl came out. I think I messaged you. I said. Here's number two, and uh, I really can see him taking it. Yeah, I really he is playing. Um, it's a very Oscar-y role. He's addressing a, an issue that is highly relevant in today's society. It's and from all accounts that I've read, it is regarded as a very honest and um, and and pure representation of the, the issues. It's not some bastardized Hollywood thing. And supposedly his performance is incredible. I are you are you picking Redman? Yeah, because I you know why? Because I want to pick Leonardo DiCaprio. I really want to pick Leonardo DiCaprio. But I've seen the movies he's lost for. He lost for the friggin' Aviator. And if he can lose for the Aviator, he can lose for any role, in my opinion. And I know I want him to win. There's no bigger DiCaprio fan than me, you know that. But now, and I, I would have... And there's him. no big Eddie Redmayne detractor the, than you. But to the, but the be fair, though, now, he did lose to Jamie Foxx and Ray that year. Like, you can't... I mean, that's just... Yeah. Sometimes you just have to bow your head. I, I understand, but that was... But like I'm saying, that was one of his best roles ever, and he lost for that. I, I, it, just, it just seems like... It's so obvious that it should happen that I just had this gut feeling it won't. All right, so you're going with Redman. Okay, so I just want to first off and say that I think all <laughs> five like, of these guys are great. You're like, um, first off, I want to say, but I quit. You're no, 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 no. And yes, I'm not a fan of Eddie Redmayne, and I thought his win last year was absolute bullshit. Uh, who, who did but we think should have won last year? Michael Keaton. He won for the. He yeah, won. Michael. Not only did he win over Michael Keaton, but if you look at the other guys in that. Like Steve Carell and Foxcatcher, Bradley Cooper and American Sniper. And they gave it to Redmayne just because it's the most Oscar bait role in the history of movies. And it just. Or it was was the pianist again. You know, they split the category. I'm not I'm not getting into a rant from last year. I want to stick to this year. And I'll just. And look, as much as look, as much as I don't like Eddie Redmayne, I'll. He he delivers in this movie. He deserves to be nominated. He gives a legit performance. Now, having said all that. I think all five of these guys are great. I think they're all deserving of nominations. Um, I I'm throwing out Brian Cranston. I just the movie didn't get any traction, and he's great in it. He carries it fine, but nobody cares about Trumbo. I'm I'm really happy Matt Damon got this nomination because he legit carries The Martian. He is hilarious and just he's the he is the guy you just want to you want to ride with for, for two hours and you really want to root for him. And it's just a great performance, but you don't, you don't win an Oscar for this type of role, but great. Glad to see him in there. Um, I'm just going to say this right now. I'm guaranteeing this is it. It's happening. 100%. I'm giving you a Dan Cohen guarantee. If Leonardo DiCaprio 
doesn't win this Oscar, I, I will give up bagels for three months. I was Write hoping you would say you would give up bagels. That's great. Awesome. I'm giving up. I, if Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't win this Oscar, I will give up bagels for three months. This is it. It's happening. It's not only does he have, not only is the performance incredible, not only is it the best performance of the year, he has the it's time factor. You look at the two other people who I think are his toughest competition. Eddie Redmayne, now I'll say this. If he didn't win the Oscar last year, I would be scared about this category. I would be nervous because the type of performance that Eddie Redmayne gives is very, 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 very Oscar baitish. But he won last year. I don't even think, what, the guy's like under 35 years old. He's not winning back-to-back Oscars. No way. Not when you're competing against Leonardo DiCaprio, who hasn't won once, and the performance is legit. Like, this isn't the type of performance where, like, this isn't Roger Deakins for Unbroken, okay? Yes. We're talking about the movie that is the frontrunner for Best Picture, and also it's a very different type of Leo role, where Leo's roles are usually wild and very manic and dialogue, you know, up the ass. This is a very quiet, more understated, intense role. He battled through elements. He's winning the award. Michael Fassbender, great. You know, he's great for Steve Jobs, but it's the type of performance that we've seen a hundred times from actors and the movie didn't get a ton of traction. He's not going to win. It's Leo's to win. He's winning it. The end. Lock it up. DiCaprio will win his first Oscar. I I hope you're right. I really do. All right, deep breath, and we now move on to Best Achievement in Directing. The first one sends chills up Dan Cohen's spine. And by the way, I predicted Leonardo DiCaprio would win back in July, just saying there. No, you predicted it way earlier than that. Um, I saw that first Revenant teaser. I said, there's Leo's Oscar, but we'll move on. I thought you actually predicted that in your uh, movies for 2015 column, but... I all right. Maybe I did. Maybe it was even earlier. Yeah, right. I know. I know you were you were on the, that bandwagon early. Okay, so best director: Adam McKay, The Big Short; George Miller, Mad Max: Fury Road; Alejandro Iñárritu, The Revenant; Lenny Abramson, The Room; and Tom McCarthy for Spotlight. I'd like to point out something very interesting about Tom McCarthy. Tom McCarthy, for many of you who don't know, character actor. Um. He actually was in the last season of The Wire where he played a journalist, which I find very funny. Um, Writing was on the wall. He wrote and directed it. Uh, He also was in 2012, which was a really shitty movie, as was... was (laughs) Is that a Roland Emmerich movie? Uh, It's an Emmerich movie for sure. And he was also in Little Fockers. Yikes. Uh, But yes, Tom McCarthy, you see the face, you'd be like, oh, that guy. He, uh, yeah, he was a journalist in The Wire, and it just tickles me to see he wrote a movie about journalists. Okay. So anyway, that was my little fun fact. This is a very intriguing race. It really is, because if you look what you have here, you have a character actor who's written a movie. You have a guy who only writes dick joke movies, (laughs) which is true. You have George Miller, who, I mean, I'm going to look at his IMDb super quick. He went from Mad Max to Babe to, well, that was producing that was not directing sorry oh, okay went, so he was a producer on babe yeah okay. he was he did the mad max movies lorenzo's oil babe pig in the city and the happy feet movie and then comes back with mad max crazy uh then you have 
Irinitu, who could be the uh, very rarefied air of being a back-to-back best director winner. Um, he would be one of the very few who have two Oscars. The last one to get two Oscars for best director was Ang Lee, and he won that for his second one for Life of Pi. Uh, Lenny Abramson. Oh, that's right. He won it for Brokeback Mountain, too. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Lenny Abramson, who really is kind of like a very unknown, the big movie he did was Frank. And then you've, like I said, then you've got the character actor who, who did a movie. It's very, very wild and different. There's no big Hollywood institutional Spielberg, Scorsese, uh, even Nolan in this category. Yeah, well, but I would say that Inaritu is that now. Right, right, right. I mean, I think he's good. Well, yeah. he, Rory only – I mean, yeah, I get, okay, I could see that, yeah. But I was going to say because he really has Birdman – oh, yeah, Babel. Okay, so never mind. Um yeah, he did, and that was. In, but he's I not the he was, he's not like the um, cornerstone director that you would see at these at these award shows. You know what I mean? Like the oh, of course, Scorsese gets a nominee. Of course, Spielberg gets the nom. Of course, right? No, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I think certainly the last couple of years he is now, but no, I would say yeah, no, he doesn't have that you know gravitas yet. No, exactly. I that. That's the word I was working for. So you have a really crazy year. This is, I think, all five of these guys. I think this is a great group of guys. Though I think, uh, I think they all did a great job. Even Adam McKay, I, I gotta give, I gotta, I gotta give him credit. I would say, all right. I think we can both agree, though. I think you know, I'm really happy to see Lenny here for Rome. He did a great job with that movie. He, he's the type of guy who I think has a good career ahead of him. He'll be back. Um, but let's toss him out. And I think, I, I think we can toss Adam McKay out here too. Would you agree? Hmm. You don't think so. So you think I'm, no, no, no. I'm, I'm actually literally, I'm legitimately scratching my head at this moment. Um, well, I think because, because I think this is two. I think there are two front runners here. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, it's really. I mean, I don't even think it's two front runners, but yeah, you could throw him out. He's kind of an outside shot just because he's like, this is the one time he's going to get. I mean, I can't believe he's dominated. Like he did such a job with this movie, but yeah, I think we could toss him. Yeah, so I think we're tossing out Room and the Big Short. Those guys. Spotlight is an interesting one. Um, I think it is. I think Spotlight is third for me in this category. And even though, because when you look at all these other movies that were nominated for Best Director, and I said this in my Best Director analysis analysis on Pop Break, is that all these other four guys have a very distinct style. Like Room has a very is very stylized. Big Short is Mad Max, obviously The Revenant. Uh, but Spotlight is just really he just kind of sits back and he does the smart thing and he just lets his actors go. Uh, and that sometimes, you know, that sometimes wins you a best director Oscar. I mean, it hasn't for David or Russell the last couple of years, but um, I, I think it's going to be tough for Tom McCarthy to beat the other two guys. So this is a really, I, I think this is a closer race than a lot of people think. I, I definitely think Inaritu is the front runner. I'm probably going to pick him. I don't think, I don't think the back-to-back director thing is as problematic as it is for, like, uh, actors. I don't think so either. Uh, and I think – and look, George Miller, I mean, the, what he did with Mad Max Fury Road is nothing short of amazing. Uh, just how well-crafted that movie came together and how tight it is in its action is really amazing. The film looks amazing. He makes all the right calls. Um 
I just think with The Revenant, though, it's really hard to watch The Revenant and not say to yourself, how is this guy not going to win Best Director? It is the type of movie that is usually a slam dunk for Best Director Oscar nom- for Best Director Oscar win. Yeah, it seems I think like it has all the... It has the it has the scope of being an epic. It has the performances. Yeah. It has the grittiness and the elements. It's hard not to say that that's the surefire, right? And I just and also a lot of people talk about the first action scene, which is just I mean the way the battle is filmed is is right up there with Saving Private Ryan with the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan. I mean I'm not going to go as far oh. to say it's as good. But it's it is up there. I mean, it is that good. Also, the bear scene is just gut wrenching and really makes you on edge and like legitimately terrified. So I think it's just going to be hard to ignore in a redo for now, that stuff. Here's here's a and question. I, here's a question. Yeah, you've seen Bird. I haven't seen either Birdman or this because Birdman just the, the hype got too much, so I was letting it die. How different is it? Is it a signature in a redo movie, or is it so different? Revenant oh, they're they're completely different. I would say that it's similar. Though, I mean, obviously, and how he and how he shoots certain scenes, like the one continuous stuff. Um, it's very Inaritu. I mean, when you watch both movies, you 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 know, like yes, like this is uh, Alejandro Inaritu directing this movie, but they're completely different subject matters. Obviously, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was always to say it's just like, oh, this is typical him. You know, this is like, I wasn't sure if like. It's so different from what he did in Birdman. Obviously, two widely different movies, but like, you know, certain people they handle they can handle different subjects, but with the same gloves. Yeah, I would say Birdman is more um, like energetic and flashier and more talky, whereas The Revenant is more quiet, ponderous, uh, just kind of watching a guy like Leonardo DiCaprio just battle through shit after shit of elements and animals and other any other kind of crap that they throw at them in just really really ridiculously well filmed action and uh i i think that's where miller loses it too as well as well constructed as mad max is the revenant delivers on that stuff as well as all the other emotional elements as well exactly so I, think, I think you've got to give it to inaritu here yeah i think i mean mad max maybe a wonder i mean it, it is literally just one big chase movie and he is able to sustain it and make it interesting and intelligent and really well thought out he was able i mean they were able to bring a, like an element of feminism in there which i i disagree sure, with the, the, sure. the strength of how much that was in there some people overplayed it um but there was a lot going on in that movie and it was really well done and i think it really lacked the um over gritty campiness of the first couple mo- of the first three movies um, I mean, maybe it was just the eighties who knows even the guitar player with the, the fire. I mean, he was, it still made sense, but at the end of the day, he's not that guy got snubbed for a nomination for what for playing for the guitar player. I think he should have been the best supporting actor category. I think if you want to go back to best supporting actor, I think there are two snubs, the guitar player and the bear. and, uh, and, and the, well, yeah, you could argue the bear, but I was going to say, uh, Tom Brady for Ted too. I, I think he got really snubbed. Yeah, and him and his golden penis. But, you know, Tom Brady can cheat for another award. Oh, okay. Unless well, he's playing it's... against the Giants. Oh, butter, butter, butter. Anyway, so that was my, that was my, that was my podcast dig on the let's Patriots. Just, um, let's just, let's just say this, though. Um, I don't think Inaritu is a lock, though, but I think he'll win. I think he will win, too. I think it's going to, it's going to be interesting, but I think he'll win. Um, all right. Now we come down to the big show, the, the main event. And, uh, here we go. Best motion picture of the year. 
The Big Short, produced by Brad Pitt, Dee Dee Garner, and Jeremy Kleiner. Brooklyn, produced by Finola Dwyer and Amanda Posey. Bridge of Spies, produced by Steven Spielberg, Mark Platt, and Christine Makosko-Krieger. Mad Max Fury Road, produced by Doug Mitchell and George Miller. The Martian, produced by Simon Kinberg, Ridley Scott, Michael Schaefer, and Max Huffman. Uh, the Revenant, produced by Arnon Milchin, Steve Golan, Alejandro Iranitu, Mary Parent, and Keith Redman. Oh, I'm surprised DiCaprio didn't produce that. Room, produced by Ed Guinea. And Spotlight, produced by Michael Sugar, uh, Steve Golan, Nicole Rocklin, and Bly Pigon Faust. Okay, what can we knock off first? Yeah, so let's do some now. Just very quickly before we start eliminating films, I just want to say that I think all eight of these films are great, and this is one of the rare years where I think all of them would be deserve. Even Bridge of Spies, I think all of them would would be deserving of a win. Whereas the last few years are two movies where I say like I I would be pissed if that one like last year the Imitation Game. Yeah, and there's definitely very against that. I remember that. Yeah, and then there's there's definitely a couple ones a couple years ago too that I didn't like that was going up against. uh, 12 Years of Slaves that year. I Yeah. But I would just I would just say process of elimination. Let's take out um, Bridge of Spies. Let's take out Brooklyn. And let's take out Rome. And I would also say this was one a month ago. I could maybe see winning. But because Ridley Scott didn't get a director nom like we talked about, I think we can take out The Martian. Would you agree with eliminating those four films? Absolutely. Okay. So we have The Big Short, The Revenant, Spotlight, and Mad Max. The reason why I didn't eliminate the big short right away is because you have to take notice. I mean, it won the Producers Guild Award. It won. And again, I'll go back to my Variety article I was reading this morning. That is their number one pick. That is their Re- That's their number one pick. It is. All right, I, I can pull out the old Entertainment Weekly here, but um, I would say Mad Max, I'm leaving it in here because you can't... It's hard to ignore all the nominations it got, right? So I think it does have some momentum here. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I, I just I think that a movie like Mad Max Fury Road, which is a little crazy, a little off kilter, it's gonna be tough for that movie to win Best Picture, which is why I don't think it can. Not totally out of the realm of possibility. Certainly crazier things have happened, but I think you and I can both agree that it's probably a long shot, right? I would say X. of the four, that is number four. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I, I think, think number three, um, going off my pick, would be Spotlight. Because uh, I, I think, yeah. I mean, because you're, you're looking at two very similar movies, very cast-oriented, big-talking movies, Spotlight, Big Short. With Big Short uh, picking up a whole bunch of wins... I have to say that it ranks over Spotlight for me. Uh, then I would say Sp- uh, Big Short, but I think at the end of the day, it's Revenant. I think it has the story of how harsh the conditions were to produce it, how the hell all the actors went through to produce it, uh, to perform in it. It has nominated performances that are regarded as great performances. It's nominated script. It has the gravitas of the encache of, of the director and the cinematographer, which I'm sure I think will win for both. It has the technical, acting, and written aspects of what should of, of praise to it, and I think it wins for Best Picture. 
Well, important to note, the Reverend, the one big award it's not nominated for is writing, um, which I mean, look, understandably so. I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with the way it's written. It's just tough to it's tough to nominate a movie like that for writing. I'll say this. I think see, to me, I disagree with you a little bit in that I think the top two are the Revenant and Spotlight. The big short sort of it's this it's the same reason why I don't think the Wolf of Wall Street really had a big chance of winning Best Picture that year. It's a little too crazy. It's a little too manic. Uh, it's kind of it's missing. It can get it, the big short is very emotional at times, but I do think it's missing some kind of punch that elevates it to beat all these other movies and actually win Best Picture. It's very well made, um, but it is kind of it's cluttered at times, and I think it's definitely one you can point to where there's some flaws. Here's why I wouldn't automatically discount Spotlight. Here is because. When you look at The Revenant, there, there are some detractors on The Revenant. I, I can't understand for the life of me why. I mean, I guess a lot of people probably think like it's a little too slow. Uh, it's a, you know, and also just kind of the in a Ritu factor. He won a lot last year. Is he really going to take this again? Whereas you look at a movie like Spotlight where there are no detractors. Everyone is just in universal agreement that it's awesome. It's a great movie. Everything about it is well made. Here's why I am going to agree with you, though. I am also picking The Revenant. I think we've seen this before, where Spotlight, while it's well-made in every area of filmmaking, it doesn't have that grandiose factor. It doesn't have that epic factor that you need to win at the Oscars. It's why movies like American Hustle won't win. It's why movies like Goodwill Hunting won't win. There's just an epic factor in Spotlight that, you really need for you to get that Oscar win in Best Picture, which The Revenant has. Like you said, the technical aspects are amazing. It's got two acting categories. Inaritu is probably going to win for directing. It's the kind of movie that leaves that impact on you. Um, I do think it's a close race, though. I do think this is an interesting Best Picture race. I'm not, I don't want to come out here and say it's a definite lock, but I think you have to give it to The Revenant for those reasons. I'm looking back to a few of them and looking at the grandiose nature we were just uh, talking about. It's interesting because you look at what's won previously in the past five. And Bur- I think Birdman has that factor, by the way, which is why that's uh, this is this just speaks to Inaritu as a director. Whereas you look at that story, and it's kind of like about a struggling actor who's trying to make it. But he made it fantastical. But yeah, exactly. Not only did he make it fantastical, but he just added a style that felt really, really deep and very layered that brought out that epic quality that you really needed to bring out for Birdman to win Best Picture. Now, if you want to, you know, we go back to 2010 when you, you started with us. Um, what's one? The King's Speech. Yes, we know <laughs> Dan Cohen hates the King's Speech for winning. It has a grandiose, epic yep. nature. Yep. The artist, that's interesting. Yep. It, no, has, it definitely has that it, epic factor. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely does. Argo. Yep, Twelve Years a Slave. Yep, and Birdman. What well, we just said. So it, it, you're seeing what it's it's the the movies that have won. There's that intrinsic epic piece of grandeur attached to it. Even if you want to go back, Paprik's first ever Oscar coverage, The Hurt Locker, that had a yep. huge factor. Slumdog Millionaire, um, No Country for Old Men, The Departed, Crash. Right. You never like Spotlight. The reason why Spotlight's not going to win this year is because you never see those types of movies win Best Picture anymore, where it's very like script is great. A lot of great talking scenes, great speeches, a lot of great back and forth between the actors. 
that's the type of movie that uh, wins all the other awards, but not Best Picture. Like, you know, maybe like 30 years ago where movies like Annie Hall could win. Well, it's not, I think it's the not like one that. movie that I can – I'm going back to see what maybe doesn't have that grandiose right. feel it's, is it's in 19, 1989 – Driving, Driving Miss Daisy. Daisy. Yeah, yeah. Compared to, and here's what's nominated to give everyone perspective, Born on the Fourth of July and Field of Dreams, both grandiose, big movies, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Dead Poet Society and My Left Foot were also nominated that year. I mean, going back, like, outside of that even, you're looking at movies like Rain Man, Last Emperor, Platoon, Out of Africa, Amadeus, in terms of Endearment, I guess, would be another one like that. But even before that, Gandhi, Chariots of Fire... Well, I would say Rain Man. I would say because I think Rain Man won. It won in '88. So I would say Rain Man and Driving Miss Daisy back to back. Like I don't think of Rain Man is like that big epic movie. Like no. that's a very character. That's a character driven film, much like Spotlight. Well, but history but, but, is not but, but, the but if you, Yeah, but also look what that was going against that year. It was the Accidental Tourist, Dangerous Liaisons, Mississippi Burning, and the wor- and Working Girl. And kind of a weak year. That was that was a super weak year. Um, you know, even but you have to go back to like a, a movie like 1980, or Ordinary People, and right, right, and that yeah, be raging, and, and that I know, be, and that, and that be, be raging that, bull, what right, that be raging bull, which is a little odd. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, like, whatever. The, the worst anyway. mistake in the history of the Academy was Shakespeare in Love over Saving Private Ryan. They are never, they will never live that down. That is the shame that the Academy will always have to live with Ugh. in 1998. That was bad. I was bad. I'm gonna actually. Check, I want to check actually. What but this is. But this is anyway. why. But this is why I think Mad Max is still in the race because even though it's a little crazy, it does have that grandiose factor. Yeah, uh, but is, I think I think you're seeing there. There it'll be the acting that'll go against it. You know, it wasn't a very true, verbose. Right, right. I mean, if you're gonna look at the script, if you look at the the pl- the actual story, it's a crazy story. It's cool. With the script, what are you really getting out of the dialogue of any of this? What and you- a lot of, and I disagree with this, but a lot of people also feel like the character Max himself wasn't really that much in the forefront and kind of took a back seat. I don't. I think mm-hmm. Tom Hardy's awesome in that movie, and I think he's right up there with Charlize Theron. But a lot of people feel that way. A lot yeah, of people feel I, like and it's Max a, himself is, a legit is not that great. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I think the revenue. I, I think the revenue is going to win, but it, it's going to be close, and I think that's kind of. The antithesis of last year, I think last year we had a lot of lockups with a couple interesting races, and we had a, some surprise at the, the Grand Budapest, but I think this year is, we have some definite front runners, but I think it's really up in the air this year, and that's this is, this is a great, it's a, I'm so excited for this year, which is why, kind of circling back to the very first conversation we had in this podcast, and look, again, we talked about it, it's an important topic that needs to be mentioned, but I just hope it doesn't dominate the entire show because there really are some great races this year. And uh, like, I mean, we talked about it. Best supporting actor is a fat is a category that hasn't fascinated me this much in a long time. And I mean, you, you saw it, like I'm picking kind of a big upset. I think in Ruffalo, he's not, he's definitely running third in that race. Um, Supporting actress. Well, we think Winslet, we both think Winslet's going to win very close between three people. Um, I think best adapted screenplay is extremely close, like we talked about. Uh, you know, I would say the two. I would say the two categories for me personally out of the big eight. I don't think best actress is very close at all. I think that's Brie Larson's award, and like yeah. I, like we talked about, I think best original screenplay is a lock. Excellent. Okay, Dan. Well, we're gonna wrap this bad boy up. If you are looking for all of Dan's coverage, please check out pop-break.com. 
search Oscar and you will find all of Dan's breakdowns of all the races. Uh, we will have posts throughout the week. We'll be live tweeting the Oscars. Follow us on Twitter at popbreak.com, all spelled out. And you can find him on Twitter, D. Cohen Writer. He will have plenty of things to be saying about the Oscars this year. And Especially if, if Leonardo DiCaprio loses. Oh, I mean, you will, there will be a rant. Well, I'll say this. I mean, bagels I just, will be yeah, gone. Bagels will be gone. Um, even though I like the other actors in the race, this has to go to DiCaprio. I will reiterate, he is winning this award. You heard it here. If he loses, no bagels. So for, Bill, for Dan Cohen, I'm Bill Bodkin. Thank you for joining the Breakcast.